We're recording. <coughs> and you're done. Hello and welcome to the Massive Attack Podcast, episode two. Yes, we made it this far. I'm your host tonight, Mitch, and with me as always is Joe. How you going, Mitch? Not too bad. People said we'd never make it. Here we are, the difficult sophomore episode. <laughs> yes. Now, just to go back to the last episode, you we, we talked about the Xbox interface, the new update, and you weren't too happy with it. Now, here's something I preferred earlier. A nice plate of crow, because <laughs> yes. we've had it for a month now, and let me just say, what, you're quite happy with it now? Well, yes, I am quite happy with it. And I kind of had a feeling that I would have been happy with it when it first came out last month, when we first talked about it, if the things that were meant to be in it were in it. Mm. And... Strangely enough, the SBS viewer actually went live the day we posted our last podcast, and I think YouTube was probably that day as well. Ah, the power of our podcast. Yeah. We so make stuff. We make Microsoft jump. We do. Mm, like, maybe yes. Not. <laughs> Those violent tweets we sent to Major Nelson. But no, now, that, now that we have the ABCI viewers now on board, the YouTube's on board, SBS is on board, they're actually pretty good, and I've kind of got my head around the new ads, the fact that, I think there were six separate title pages that you could go to, and there's at least two ads on each one of those, those pages. Once you get away from the fact that there's ads on it, it is quite easy to find what you're looking for. Mitch thought last time that you couldn't see your friends list, but you can. I've figured that out since. I don't really think it's necessary to see your friends sleeping with their little sleeping icons next to them when they're not online. Well, they used to get that sort of anyway. I mean, it wasn't sleeping. They just had their head down, though. They were sleeping. Now you've got little jumping sheep. Yeah, it's well, no real big true. deal. I mean, that's nothing. The interesting thing I noticed is when you count... Like, you've got your different titles. If you don't know what the interface looks like... It, the Xbox is a games machine. It's there to play games. When it first came out, it's there to play Halo and Gears of War and those sort of things. It's a bit of a media centre now... And it's obviously where um, the Microsoft people are thinking that way. They're not thinking it's a games machine. It is a multimedia machine. Because if you look at... You've got um, pages. Let's call them pages. And you've got the social page where you've got your Twitters and your Facebook on there now. You've got a games page, which is where your games are at. You've got video and apps page. So it's getting more and more like your smartphones with apps. So you can do certain things on there that you... Not just play games. But the thing is, you've got a friends list where you can see your friends who are online, where they're online, if they're awake or not, or whatever. But games are actually the fifth page as your option, where it is a games machine. As far as I'm concerned, the Xbox 360 is a games machine. It should be page one, yet it's pushed to page five because what they're pushing it as now is a media media centre, a social network centre, and all this sort of thing, and gaming is something you do on it. Not the primary thing of that. That being said, though, on that first page, you do have the option for your quick play, which shows you the last 10 games you've played. Something like that, yeah. And if you've got a game in the tray at that stage, you can just go straight away into that game. Mm. Launch game, play game, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, if you're looking for your games that are on your hard drive, you do have to scroll through quite a few pages to get Which just seems interesting. I don't mind it because I actually I own two Xboxes, one that I play on in my office or whatever, and the other one is in a lounge, and that is our media center. We yeah. piggyback my PC, we use Tiversity or Windows Media Center, and we just piggyback everything on the hard drive that is on my PC. 
So it is a media center. It's not. It is a games machine. Second, and ever since we bought the big fuck off telly, it has become more of a games machine because I'm not doing it in my office <laughs> as much anymore because I can see things and read text. But it's interesting what they're doing and bringing in YouTube, bringing in ABC iViewer. It's becoming a media center. But being said that YouTube, I like the fact that you've got your YouTube on the Xbox, but the search function for YouTube. I think they need to do a bit of work on Oh, yeah, it's, it's it's a stream of... The, you type in the text by selecting letters, which is on the screen, and it's A to Z in one long line, not a block of text, so you can go up, down, it's left, right. So if you were to do A, Z, you go all the way to A, then have to click 26 times to the right to get Z, and then if you want B, you've got to go back to B again. It loops, though, so you can probably go backwards, couldn't you? Oh, well. <laughs> we'll try that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's... Um, although it's long-winded. It's, and it's kind of preemptive though, because we were trying to search for the Hobbit trailer. trailer, and we just typed in Hobbit, and then it sort of realised that a lot of people must have been looking for the Hobbit, so it knew to show the Hobbit to us. But still, when, but you wanna, still. when you're looking for the Incredible Hulk closing theme, it's not as predictive because it's obviously not as popular. Not as popular. So yeah, so there's still things. I mean, these are all things that can be fixed. That's the beauty of online updates with these sort of machines. That exactly. if something doesn't work, they'll design it and fix it. Hopefully later. Yeah, but I'm, I must say, out of all the new apps that are on there, I think probably the worst app is here in Australia is the MSN app, which shows you little video clips of news in very... Oh, sorry, the 9 MSN. 9 MSN, yes, yeah. in very low definition. And when you try and watch them on a big TV, it just makes it blurry and... But it's not know. even that good. It's not a well, news report. It's, it's meant not. to be like a, a new sports lifestyle channel piggybacking the 9 MSN website. But... The 30 seconds at most, if that. It's sort um, of a teaser for a full story, but there's no full story to go to. It's it's a, pretty it's, much a waste of time. It's like clips from the Today Show with you know, Richard Wilkins telling us that what's mm. happened in Hollywood. And stuff Basically, like that. that was up and running early, so I, I got in there, I downloaded I got excited, I went in there and I typed it in. I, I had a go, and it was not worth it, it going back to. I've never gone back. There was nothing on there that I couldn't get anywhere else. I'm with YouTube now. Exactly. It's all good. Yeah, well, you've got news on YouTube. I think the other thing, Daily Motion's now on there as well, which is very similar. Uh, uh, yeah, I downloaded but the app. I, I haven't don't know. had a good chance to really have a look at that. But as far as the standout app, I think it's probably the ABC iView. Well, you've got kids. and you're Well, exactly. We've got kids. We've, we've got Foxtel. And pretty much anything that we can watch on Foxtel, we, we have it set up on the planner on the Foxtel. And my four-year-old can walk in there and go, you know, that show's on the planner. Let's watch it on the planner. But we went to the ABC iView, and a lot of the programs he currently watches are on the ABC iView. Plus, there was new programs that he hadn't seen before, and now he's into it. Much to my wife's dismay, we can now watch Yo Gabba Gabba through the you know, ABC iView, which... Yes, much to my wife's dismay, <laughs> Too. Your wife, because she doesn't want your son to be watching that sort of thing. My wife, because she doesn't like me watching that sort of thing. But that's different. And actually, one of the other things that they've brought in with the new update is voice control here in Australia. And prior Finally. to Christmas, neither of us probably cared about voice control because we didn't have connects. No. But, uh, but, but yes. we both got Xbox 360s the same Christmas. We both got connects this Christmas. Well, you got a connect this Christmas. My wife got a connect this Christmas. But who's going to be using it more? Well, she's the one who wanted it. Well, that's true. And she's she was jump, she broke her hand the other day jumping up in Connect <laughs> Adventures because she threw her hands in the air and hit the light. So our first no, day just we don't care. Yeah, <laughs> a bit of apathy. Yes. No, the first day we got a Wii, we went Wii bowling, and she broke a glass. 
And the first day we had the Connect set up after Christmas, she nearly broke her hand. So, yeah, she's really good with that sort of stuff. Yes, but um, the, the Connect itself, uh, I think Connect came out last year. So It was definitely launched at last year's E3 when actually when came. It, was, it was before Christmas, but it was well, not far before Christmas. It must have been last year's E3 that when they released the Slim that they released the Connect. Mm. So it's a good 18 months old now that we've finally got one. And strangely, I'd never really been that excited about the idea of a Connect. But I was getting a new Xbox for, for my birthday, technically, which is just after Christmas. And my old Xbox was starting to have a bit of disk drive issues and it was making a lot of noise, so I thought, well, we'll upgrade, buy a new one. And the option came up, the, the holiday bundles had the Connect bundle, and it was actually quite a good deal, so we went for that. Yes, I bought the Connect outright. Not the best deal. <laughs> well, I don't know. You, I got two games with my Connect deal. I've got Connect Adventures, and I thought I was getting Connect Sports, but it's actually Carnival Games. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's as bad as Carnival Games in the Wii, it's probably not going to be it's very a trade good. Bait. Yeah, well, it's, yes. it's still wrapped in plastic. So I, well, I bought it outright. It was over 150 outright, and I got Gunstringer and Fruit Ninja. It's a free game with Connect Adventures, which comes with it anyway. And as soon as Christmas happened, it was out there with a $50 rebate. You could get it for not, basically 98 bucks. I think the rebate would have still been around when you bought yours, wouldn't it? Well, there's nothing on oh, it. Okay, because mine came with a rebate. It was 348 for the system and the Connect, and it was a $50 rebate. The fact that, again, I'd never really been interested in the Connect. And then now that I've got the Connect, I actually, as far as playing games, I'm not really playing that many motion games. But just being able to control the Xbox with your voice is is pretty much a good thing. Like the ABC iViewer is great for it because you can sit there and, and once it's started, you can go you know, ABC A to Z and it'll bring up the A to Z. Or you can go ABC 2 and it'll show you the programs that are on ABC 2. And then once you're in your program, you say the name of the program and it opens that particular folder. And then I don't mind doing that. But if you've got a controller in your hand, it is as quick yeah. well, to do it that way. I, I find, I mean, it's, it's fun to do for a while. And if people come over, I will show off by doing it. But I'm not, I don't know, it's just, it's quicker with a, with a, with a pad in your hand, and, I think, still. Well, probably. And you are going to have the controller in your hand because you need the controller to turn it on, unless you're going to turn it on on the front of the machine, I guess. But you need the controller to turn it on. And also on ABC iView. You'll select your program and you'll reveal out Xbox Play and it starts, or it's going to start playing, but then it comes up with another message saying the name of this video will be posted on your on your friends list sort of thing so your friends know what you're watching. But you need to press OK on your controller for that to go through, so it's kind of silly. It's still a bit clunky in that way. Yeah. But, but as, so as far as interface goes, it's kind of fun. You can do the minority report thing by pulling things across the screen. That is kind of funky, but it doesn't always work so if you go put your hand too far one way or the other it doesn't grab so you find yourself doing it two or three times to get to work it's it's not perfect and my experience with the connect was because i knew it was coming and i got basically with the gunstringer and fruit ninja games they were codes so it wasn't actual physical disc so i had to download them so i downloaded them the day before christmas so they were ready to go when um, my wife got her present and i didn't really use it for a while and then i went over to you and you'd set yours up before mine so i was mucking around with yours and you were using the connect fun labs which is, it's not shareware, but it's sort of like well, more experimental, cheap, fun. All, most of them are free. Most of them are free. There are some paid ones, but I but don't really understand They're just why sort of weird, it. like they're calling it Fun Labs, because they're not games per se. They're just sort of 
things that the X, um, the Kinect can do. And so I used yours, and there's a mutation station where you stand in front of the screen, it takes a picture of you, or it takes a picture of the room without you, and then you stand in front and you can choose, and it distorts you so your head's tiny and your body's big, or your body's big and your head's tiny, and just does weird things or splits you in half. So it's clever without being a game. So you're never going to use it a lot. Well, it's it's something, <laughs> if someone comes over, oh, check this out. It's a tech demo, really. It's just yeah. kind of showing you that. This is what the cameras in the Kinect can do. And yeah. here so it is. So there's thing. that. There was one where you scan in, you put a teddy bear or an action figure in front of it or scan it up and try and sort of do a 3D model of it and could turn into a fighter in one of the apps. Well, it, it is a fighter. One of them, you just... Oh, it's rock, paper, scissors, but it yeah, one of them, one as of them a is a fighting game. game. And the other one, I think, is like a puppet show and you mm. move them around. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's funky, but what I found, and I was a bit dismayed by it, was the quality of the camera was terrible with the photos it takes and the interface didn't react terribly well as far as when you're moving your hands to trying to hit a button it was a bit clunky and janky and you've got to hold your hand there for quite a lot of time for it to the little circle to fill up for it to realize that that's what you're doing and i was impressed with the technology but i wasn't impressed with how it worked it just didn't feel right and then we finally put in connect sports and it's like Ah, so this is how it's meant to work. So this yeah. is a, well, I don't know if it's a AAA title, but it is a launch title. It comes with every Kinect, so obviously the Xbox people want this to work. It's got to work. It does work. Yeah. So the interfaces are much better. The camera reads you better. So the Fun Labs, yeah, I was a bit worried thinking this doesn't quite work. But yeah, when you have the proper real game doing everything it has to do, it does. It reads you perfectly. You don't have to sort of clunk around trying to get it to read you or get it to do what it needs to do. It just does it perfectly. And it's like, ah, so that's what that works. I ended up playing Gunstringer the other day. Kind of funky, really. It was enjoyable. I don't know if I want to play too many games that way. Like, you, essentially, you're, you play a marionette, again, essentially, yeah. and you're controlling a puppet. And he's, it's an on-rail shooter, and your left hand controls him. So it's on-rail, so you're going forward. It's sort of the computer's doing that anyway. What you're doing is controlling his left to right. The so character's you're controlling left to right. the view? Kind of thing. Not the view. He, 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 you're running down a corridor or running down a, a valley or something yeah. like that. So there's people running at you or they're throwing grenades and shit at you. So you've got to move from left to right to avoid or to get in the best position. So that's your left hand is controlling that. And your right hand, you hold up like a gun. And when you want to fire, you you cock it back like you've, like you've got a gun in your hand. Yeah. You just cock it back. And that's enough for it to register you shooting. Yeah. You sort of map your targets with the right hand so you can you point at the screen and just say there's five guys shooting at you. So you're... So have you got a receptacle? Yeah, you've got a... like a, It looks like caps, you know, from oh, okay. your old gun. So you've got like six bullets in this red ring. And if you, you move your finger around, which is meant to be a gun, yeah. it, it sees where you're pointing at. And as soon as you mouse over or whatever, yeah. a guy, he gets a red ring around him. So you mouse over six guys. They've all got... They've all got... They've been targeted. And then you pull your finger back like a trigger and he'll put off six shots and... And kill them all. Okay. So again, it's a launch title or close to a launch title for the Connect. Yep. Well, it's pretty recent actually. No, the Connect's no, older. It's... We've established. So it's Twisted Pixel guys who I... very innovative game designers, and they've yeah. taken the technology of Connect and they've made a very fun game. Well, like I said, it's not going to be how I want to play all my games, but they use the technology well. It works for what it is. It's it's definitely fun. Like, the design of the game is great. The writing of the game is great. It's funny. It's interesting. The design is good. And I'm going to enjoy watching it. Am I going to enjoy playing this game for hours on end and go back to it? Probably not. Yeah. Do I want to play another game like this? Probably not. Probably not straight away. But no. No. 
And I guess that's the other thing as well. It's it's fun for a little while, but when your neighbours walk past your house and they see you standing there with your hands in the air making gun motions, <laughs> you feel like a bit of a dick. Yeah. But no more so than, I guess, than if you were playing Wii with a controller in your hand. But, yeah, Twisted Pixel, they did Splosion Man, Misplosion Man, The Maw before that. I haven't played The Maw, but I really enjoyed Splosion Man, and I quite liked the premise, I guess, of, uh, was it Comic Jumper? Yep. But then Comic Jumper, I think, playing the demo didn't live up to the hype that they gave it. Yeah, I, I looked at it, I played the demo, I was like, I can't be bothered playing this. But, it, I mean, what I liked was the concept, because Comic Jumper was this platformer game where you were a generic sort of... Superhero. Superhero with, a, like, a smiley face head. Well, I think the, the premise was you were a superhero whose comic line got cancelled and he was... Yeah. going out of his way to try and get back in print. Yeah, and you sort of play... But the game, and what I thought was clever, was the levels were designed in three different comic styles. So you look like your normal comic style, then there was a 90s grim and gritty, like Sin City-looking level, and there was something else. And it's like, I like the idea and the aesthetic, but after playing the demo of the first level, it's yeah. like, I can't be bothered playing the game because I didn't like the gameplay enough. Well, you could always just go back to the old Sega Master System or Sega Mega Drive and play Comic, Comic Zone. Zone. Yes. <laughs> yes. Similar sort of concept. The other only other Kinect game I've played, I mean, Sally played Fruit Ninja for a while, <laughs> came away with Saw Forearms the next day, and like, <laughs> again, the controls were better than the Kinect Lab sort of stuff, but it's still sort of, eh, yeah. I don't know. You've got to figure it out. You've got to get the, the right room. You've got to stand the right distance away. And I think not played enough. Has a lot to do with it as well because I think when we were playing the Connect Lab stuff, we were playing at night with you know unnatural light. So I, I don't know if sunlight. They all say they said the dim the blind, dim the thing. I don't know why. They yeah they say you know draw the curtains. Well, I think they're saying that because you know they don't want your neighbours to see. Well, that's a good <laughs> idea. It's a nice way of saying don't look embarrassing. Yes, it's it's like sleeping with your cousin. You know, it's fun for a while until <laughs> someone finds out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I've never met you, cousin. Um, <laughs> He's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess the other thing as well with the Connect is, you know, it, it's fairly high technology and it's still really in development stage. It's been around for a little while now. But I think it was only, what, six months ago that they even made a game that you could play sitting down. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the interesting thing. So the Fun Labs is amazing as far as what it can do. Like, I, I mean, obviously, I'm an Xbox fanboy. PlayStation bought out the PlayStation Move around the same time. And I was hoping, like, the concept of the Kinect was such a good one, but it's like, it could easily be shit. And with PlayStation, it's like, well, it's just a Wii, but four years newer. So it's going to be better than a Wii. So I was, I was hoping that the Kinect wasn't going to be an absolute fire and ruin Xbox. I well, don't, I'm not a, I don't hate PlayStation, but I was hoping that PlayStation <laughs> would be bad just so Xbox will win. But um, well, I think the fact that the PSN went down for a month probably killed yeah, the PlayStation. Probably didn't help. But yeah. Um, yeah, and I've heard that the PlayStation Move is very good for what it is, but it is still just a, a Wii HD yeah. essentially. It's better graphics it's better response it, it what we doesn't have is depth it's got elevation yeah. and movement with accelerometers but it doesn't have depth but with the camera on the playstation move and the ball on your controller it, it picks out depth yeah so it has that extra element that the Wii doesn't have so it's it's good but essentially the gameplay is still Wii hd mm. as far as what you can do game wise the Kinect proves you can do so much more. The then Kinect, it's just up to the designers to come up and do something with it. And the Kinect's broken like so many sales records. It's like the, the highest or fastest selling consumer, consumer product electronic or product or something. It's got like you know, millions of, of buys. And again, it's probably like when the Wii first came out, there was a lot of non-gaming type people that saw it and thought, you know, maybe I'll get that. Like and like I, I said, my wife wanted it. 
I didn't. She's not a gamer. I am. Yeah. And it was, for me, it wasn't a gaming accessory I needed. For her, it was something interesting that she could do. I did see a review for the UFC training. I mean, so my wife does use the Wii Fit and all those sort of things, so she gets in it, and she actually uses it, which I don't. You know, I did yeah. it for a couple of weeks, and it's like, yeah, that's fun, then I got over it. But it, it's the Wii Fit is good for what it is. It's a scales, it does all these sort of things, and you can sort of do exercises on it, but you can cheat. There are ways around yeah. cheating. Looking at the review for the UFC trainer you do push-ups and the thing is the video camera is watching you and it knows what your body shape should be and if you lift your butt too high it'll tell you that your butt's too high you're you're cheating or you're doing it wrong and so that's amazing that you're getting to that sort of level now so those sort of things are good and i downloaded the demo of dance central now i didn't have a go but (laughs) my wife did and it was really good and it looks like a game that could almost teach you to dance properly yeah like the way it is i also downloaded just dance which looked pretty ordinary well, so that was a bad we, we downloaded yeah. Just Dance on my Xbox when you came over and we had a look at it and I think that's more of a mimic what the screen's doing and you kind of match up I'm, I really don't know how it was picking up what I was doing because it was telling me at some stages I was doing the right moves but I don't think I was doing yeah it, did, it wasn't right intuitive moves. like Whereas Dance, Dance Central, Dance Central was very much so much yeah better. so I think the technology with Connect is awesome what they can do with it the potential is great at the moment. There's, I went through because it's like, I'll download a bunch of demos and see what they're like. And I went through the list of games that I could download demos to. And I was like, don't want to play it, don't want to play it. Yeah. So there's not much I actually want to do with the Connect at the moment. Well, but I, I had to use the term, but there's not really a hardcore game for Connect yet. No. Like, there's talk that Steel Battalion's coming, or it might actually even be out. Anyone that played Steel Battalion on the original Xbox with the you know, massive. $100 controller with like 9 million buttons on it and stuff will probably get excited about playing Steel Battalion. But then I think half of the appeal of Steel Battalion was the controller. And now with Connect, you don't have that controller. So I don't know how, how many people still want to play a mech game. Because I know like Forza's got Connect support. What, and the well, thing I is what it does... More just the head tracking. It is head tracking. So they're using it as an element to the game. So you're still using other elements, but they're adding extra bits. But the thing is, what it does is it does head tracking. So you're in a car driving in Forza. And if you turn your head to the right, the camera picks up that you're looking to the right. So the view on the screen turns a little bit to the right. I haven't seen it in action, so I don't know how it works, but it doesn't sound... Well, if you're playing right. a game, you're going to be looking straight ahead at the TV. Exactly. You don't want to be going into a corner in a racing game looking away from the TV when you're going into the corner. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. If it was eye recognition, that'd be maybe different, but it's not going to do that. And then they could stick like little toothpicks in your eyes and play your Beethoven songs <laughs> and show you ultraviolence. And, yeah, maybe that's where we're headed. Yeah, so... Interesting though, I mean, I know I remember when the Connect was first talked about and just before the launch, I remember there was a bit of a hoo ha because obviously the technology is good and the potential is fantastic. But said it was going to cost like $300, dollars $350. Yeah. It was going to be the cost of this product. And it's like, that's almost another Xbox. Exactly. So what happened was they dumbed it down. They took a lot of the components out of the Connect actual product. Well, there was meant to be product. processors in the Connect. Yeah, itself. it was meant to be a computer in itself. And now a lot of that processing is being done by the Xbox now so they've taken a lot of the processor out which is obviously the cost and it still became well now a $98 product but it was a $150 product before Christmas mm. so it, it should have been twice as much again when it, at launch if they kept everything in so you, I'm looking at it now because like I said the camera's not good like if it takes a, in random games it takes pictures of you doing stuff to show you embarrassing positions and all this sort of stuff it's quite <laughs> funny in that way yeah and the quality of the photos are not very good at all now it it's not meant to be a camera. It's not a webcam. It doesn't have to be good. I understand that. But 
I don't know how much they've pulled out of this product to make it a an, an affordable product. They have been touting this video connect, video conference phone calls with people as well. So, but they've got video connect, so you can have a video call with someone else who's got a okay. connect and gold membership. Yeah. But like, I don't know how good quality that was. Like when they showed it on E3 and they had uh, the, the Microsoft girl talking to her, her twin sister, like it looked well and good, but you don't really know how much of that was actually real mm. and how much was actually. Because I'm just a video. wondering, like just with the sheer quality of the photos it takes, makes me think that the quality is not very good. And it's like, what should it have been? And yeah. I mean, but would have people have bought it? Would they have sold so many units if it was costing $350? Probably not. No. So I, I understand why and how, but I'm just thinking what it could be. And I don't want to... Or do we have to wait for the Xbox 720 and then the Connect 2 to go on well, the Xbox 720 exactly. and then everything's going to be what it should be? I mean, we did that. It came out and they had to bring out the Wii Motion Plus because the sensors weren't good enough, but they still sold the product and they're selling an extra $50 peripheral to add to your product to make it like it should be. But then the Wii doesn't really take photos of you. It's more... No, no, no. I'm just talking when it comes out yeah. at launch, they add bits to make it up to spec. Essentially. Uh, it's. I mean, I'm looking forward, but we watched. Oh, what was it on X Play or something like that? It was one of those shows. It was a gaming show, and they actually went to a symposium of developers, and they weren't game developers. They were developers who'd been given connects, and they were said, "Do something with it. What can you do with it?" And there were some really interesting things, like those little remote-controlled helicopters. Someone had connected his connect yeah. to the remote-controlled helicopter, and he was just using his body to fly the helicopter around the room. And it's like, that's amazing. Another guy, that I forget the name of the website, it's like Google Sky or something like that or some sort of NASA thing. So what they've done is all the satellite imagery they've got of space has been put together. You can go to the web, but it's a website. And it's the galaxy. You can look at the galaxy. You can sc- you move the mouse around and you scroll through the Earth and if you zoom in, you can zoom out. And it's put together of all the satellite imagery we've got. So it's like this 3D map of space. And this guy's connected it to his connect. And you can essentially fly through space using your body. Like the different gestures make you zoom in, zoom out, left, right. And you're if you've got a big enough tally, you are flying How through space. How would that be? Yeah. So the potential of Connect for me is amazing. As a gaming thing, it's almost secondary because there's so much more. Like you think about surgery with the doctor using, you know, that sort of stuff. Potential, it could be amazing, but who knows? I mean, hopefully, hopefully it's really good. Well, we'll just have to wait and see how uh, how they develop it, I guess. But you can break your hand. Yeah. If you're jumping up and down and hit a light. So <laughs> it's potentially dangerous. But I remember when the Wii first came out, there was a website called We Have a Problem. And it was the amount of broken TVs, windows. People throw controllers yeah. through their TVs. So at least that won't happen. You won't get controllers. Exactly. <laughs> So we're back from the break. We're filled up with buffalo wings and nachos, and we've decided to have a bit of a break from gaming now and actually talk about some of the things we're looking forward to in other media this year. So we've got quite a few big movies up on the horizon, haven't we, Mitch? Yes, we do. Um, as I've stated earlier, um, I am a big comic fan. Probably the, I might start early with the big one, but the culmination of the Incredible Hulk, the Iron Man, the Thor, the Captain America franchises into the big Avengers film is coming out this year, which you told me, you know, 20 years ago, there will be a big budget. Avengers movie looking forward to I would have laughed at your face but the fact that it's actually happening is amazing and I really really can't wait 
Yeah, well, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, who was going to write it, who was going to direct it. And I guess probably going from the success of the Iron Man films, also the success of Thor, probably lesser extent Captain America. Although you could really see that Captain America was leading into the Avengers more than the Iron Man and the Hulk movies. But yeah, they've been building this for a little while and and hopefully it will pay off for Marvel. It will make us money. It's just whether what goes on from this now. I mean, there are so many other franchises that can build from it if it's successful. If it's just okay, you you know, you may not see more. They are going to start filming Thor 2, I heard, in December. I read that today. So, I mean, there will be other movies. It's just whether this, the going off, making a movie, is coming back and making another Avengers 2, you know, if that's going to happen. They're going to get more and more expensive to make as all the actors sort of, like, put their hands up for more paychecks. But fingers are crossed, and, I mean, they've got the right people doing the right things. So everything is good. Like, I mean, they've got Joss Whedon directing and writing it, so, you know, he's he's proven over the years that he is a capable, very capable director and writer, so, yeah. and he can work with ensemble cast, he did that in Buffy and Firefly and things like that, so he's... And he's got a bit of a comics history now, too, doesn't he? he wrote X-Men for a while, and he's yeah. written a few other things, so yeah, he's been in that, but I mean, it, being a good comic writer doesn't make you a good movie maker, but actually he has proven that he's yeah. a good filmmaker, so we're, we're lucky there. Yeah, so I'm definitely looking forward to that, and have high hopes. I'm just hoping egos don't get too in the way and we get the movie we deserve. Well, I guess the other big movie that everyone's looking forward to comics-wise this year would be the new Batman film. Yes, Dark Knight Rises, which I really don't have an opinion. It's really hard. Yeah, we've seen a few trailers already and I guess Christopher Nolan's proven that he can turn Batman around, I guess, with the Dark Knight, you know, Batman Rift Begins. Mm. I mean, this, this is the weird thing. Like, I, I love Batman Begins. But it has its faults. And I do like The Dark Knight, but I don't think it's perfect by any stretch. It's not even close to being perfect. There's, a yep. lot, there's a, again, a lot of faults, but the Joker's performance is so good. That well, re- really, it was the Joker movie, not a Batman movie. Yeah, and the, the Joker is so good that you sort of forget some of the other bits that aren't quite up to speed. I think Batman Begins is a better film of the two. Yeah. As a film. It holds together a lot better. Well, so, it's, it's an origin story, and superhero movies always work better as an origin story. Yes. I think that's why Iron Man worked better than Iron Man 2. Yes. I, I didn't mind Iron Man 2, but well, I know there's a lot of faults and a lot of people have issues with yeah. it, and I totally understand those, but I, I find it a fun film. With those sort of films, they've got to be fun. If you get bogged down too much in serious or trying to be, I don't know, trying too hard. Trying too hard, exactly. Or but Iron then, Man, I don't, I don't think it was that bad. I'd watch it again. Yeah, I guess I'd I like have. Yeah. <laughs> this could be interesting with Dark Knight Rises. Like, there's a lot of anticipation, there's a lot of expectation. So there's probably a lot of more pressure on Christopher Nolan. And a lot of a lot of these sort of films bring their own expectations with them. Yeah. And it's like something like King Kong, when Peter Jackson made King Kong. He'd just come off making Lord of the Rings, so you're going to see a King Kong movie. And you end up seeing a very long, drawn-out love letter to what he got Peter Jackson into cinema. Yes. Unfortunately, it didn't make for a great cinema experience because... He's well, getting... it didn't make for a great cinema experience because my chair broke that day <laughs> we went and saw it. We were sitting there for so long. <laughs> well, now that I've derailed that thing. Yeah, so it's just like some movies bring their own expectations. That's if you, true. If, you, if it was a movie out of no, like Batman Begins, sort of like people weren't expecting a lot because, uh, you know, the last Batman film before that was pretty terrible, so... Speak for yourself, I love Batman and Robin. You're the one. Yeah, so because that, no one really had any expectations. It's yeah. like it had a good cast together. Christopher Nolan wasn't a super huge name at the time. But, and all of a sudden it blew people away. It's like, oh my God, 
where now the expectation is high, where Avengers, it's got a history with all the other movies leading into it, but there is no other Avengers yeah. film to compare it to. So it, it's it's going to be a different, a very different beast for Hollywood. I've not seen anything like this before. Well, do you think that Christopher Nolan with the success for Inception's probably got the bar set a lot higher now with the Batman well, film? I hope so. Well, I hope it's a better film because of that, because yeah. Inception is great. Yeah. It's a lot better than the... Batman films as far as being internally consistent. Yes. But then Christopher Nolan again has kind of brought his mates into this film. He's got Tom Hardy coming in as Bane. Yeah. And we'll probably see Sylvia Murphy somewhere. Sylvia yeah. Murphy somewhere in there again. Well, I don't know. We, we can wait. When, when's that due? May? June, July, I think. Yeah, so we, we've got a, a little way to wait. But we've seen a few teaser trailers out around... You know, I know there's quite a few floating around on YouTube now. Uh, we've got friends that actually went to see the new Mission Impossible movie just to see the Batman teaser at the start. Something to, to think about, I guess. Anything yeah. else in the arrival? Uh, well, if you want to stick with the comic theme, there is Ghost Rider Spirits of Vengeance, which i got to say I am pretty psyched about. It looks great. I didn't enjoy the first Ghost Rider film terribly much because it was not good. No. But... This one looks, in the, as far as the trailer goes, looks fantastic. It's directed by the guys who did Crank and Crank 2. Now, I have issues with Crank 2, but well, Crank, Crank 1 Crank is... Crank 2 really is just the same film as Crank 1 just reenacted slightly. Crank Tire! But I love Crank. Crank 1 is great. It looks great, and those they're very visual filmmakers. And I like what they're doing, and the trailer brings that across. And it's sort of like, it's a dude on a motorbike with a flaming skull for a head... It's going to look exciting. It should. And that was a problem with the first one. How do you make that boring? Exactly. Mark well, Stephen Johnson did. The other thing you've got to remember, it's not just a dude on a bike. It's Nicolas Cage on a bike with That's a flaming true. head. And it's kind of like, well, which Nicolas Cage is going to show up for this film? Well, I think you probably learnt from the first one. Goes, no, 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 we're going to do this properly this time. So he's hoping. The only, my only concern is when you look at this trailer with all these really cool images and this and that it comes up with a big PG at the start yes which is like the crank guys made there was a p- very public sex scene in the crank movie you know these are the guys who were sort of a bit out there and, and there was quite a lot of graphic violence in this yes. crank movie so I was like oh so I hope maybe there's an unrated cut or something that might come out on DVD but I, I just hope it's not too restrained yeah I, I yeah, I mean, I hope they will let loose and be able to make the fun film they deserve to make. But yeah, so I've got real high hopes for that. Like, Avengers has sort of got the, the class and credibility it should make it, where, you know, Ghost Rider could be the fun one of the movie. Like, out of all of them, that might be the one I come away liking the most yeah, as well, the underdog. It definitely could be a bit of a field trip, get a group together and go and have a, a laugh at Nicolas Cage's expense, I guess. Well... Speaking of sequels, we've also got a couple of other big sequels coming up this year with the uh, G.I. Joe sequel. Yes, which almost was a brand new film. Well, it's pretty much a brand yeah. new cast. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, it's pretty much it looked like he's the star in the first half of the trailer. Yeah. Until they uh, dropped the big name at the second half of the trailer, which I'd recommend going to see the trailer. It's a long trailer. It is quite a long trailer. But yeah, um, check it out. It's quite a big Hollywood name that they've got in yeah, to so play we, the original Joe. We won't spoil it if you haven't seen the trailer. It's yeah. something to look forward to. But it looks good. And again, like the Batman movies, like all these things that have had sequels or the, the previous films, hopefully they're learning from the first one. Well, G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra didn't really do that well in the box office. But it's obviously, obviously done enough. Yeah, it's obviously done enough for them to warrant a sequel. And mm. I guess the other thing to think about is toy sales, you know, all the tie-ins. That it's not just the movie itself that can make money, it's a money-spinning machine. 
Well, that's the thing. I know when they do budgets for movies and that now, they broker the deals to do the Happy Meal of McDonald's, to do this, to do that. And that all factors into potential income for film and advertising and this and that. So I guess Hasbro being a you know one of the producers in the film and producing toys and essentially they're going to make their money on the license exactly and sales then yeah they probably want to get another movie out and it looks a lot more G.I. Joe-ish this time yeah I think with the vehicles and the weapons and all this sort of from what little you can see in the trailer it just appears to up the Jonas well the trouble with the first movie is the whole exoskeletons and you know that sort of stuff it was very that was my favourite scene well again it's but they do have power suits in that the, well, uh, and yeah it was a bit too Delta Force not enough G.I. Joe I think so and I think the power suit sort of tinkers towards the side of yeah they've got this high tech more than normal equipment and looking at some of the vehicles and the things like that in the trailer maybe it's a bit closer to those toys and things like that maybe so yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm looking it, forward to it. Oh, it, I love watching The Rock in the films. So, that's true. Especially when he gets to be big. Larger than life. And shooting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so here's well, hoping. I guess Joe Joe was a, a fun action movie. And another fun action movie last year was The Expendables. And we've got The Expendables 2 coming out this year. Yes. With the uh, the addition of Chuck Norris to the cast. Yeah, Randy Couture, I think, was it? Yeah, he was, he was in the first one. He's back. I'm not sure if someone called Steve Austin's in this time. one. Yeah, well, again, they've got some big names. I think the only name from the first one that's not coming back, or two names, Stone Cold Steve Austin hasn't been mentioned for the sequel, and Mickey Rourke hasn't been mentioned for the sequel. But then Mickey Rourke didn't really do a lot in the first movie. Expendables was fun. Like, I didn't see it at the cinema. I saw it on, on video. And maybe it needed that big screen. No, I mean, as a nostalgia, it was really good. As a throwback to 80s cinema in a way that it was a ballsy unapologetic action film yeah. that wasn't very deep or anything like that and you know seeing all the characters on screen together was quite fun but um, they're going to have to do a bit more I think so I think this time around and they probably learned again they probably learned from the first one and made enough money do it again get the team back together and yeah crank it up to 11 and blow more shit up and exactly I'll be happy to go I'll pay my 15 <laughs> bucks for that I don't have a problem so yeah. That that should be fun. That's towards the end of the year. And the the logo looks pretty cool on that trailer too. The way the the knife blades turn into the skull. There's a lot of a lot good of design fun. going on. What else we got? We've got Look, sequels. We got prequels. We got remakes. Well, getting back to the the comics, we've got the the new Spider-Man movie. Yes, the Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. Which I know a lot of people are saying, oh, why, why reboot it? It's only a couple of years old since the last one. It's like, well, Sony paid a lot of money for the rights off Marvel, and they don't want to lose the rights back. Marvel, so they've got to keep producing something. Yeah. And I mean, it will make money. How much will it do what Spider Man, the original one, did? Probably not. It, I'm hoping it's good. And like you said with the origin films, origin films are sometimes better. And I don't mind seeing another take. Like, I've seen the Spider Man, I've read the Spider Man origin plenty of times in comics. And I sometimes don't mind reading them again. I mean, sometimes it's like, yeah, I've read this, but. So is this following the new Spider Man? storyline with the new non-Peter Parker story, uh, no. Spider-Man? No, so it's still Peter Parker. still Peter it's Parker. It's Gwen Stacy's in it again in the right chronological order, not like Spider-Man 3. In the original chronology of Spider-Man, his first girlfriend wasn't Mary Jane, it was actually Gwen Stacy. And, she had, and the storyline in the first movie with the whole Green Goblin dropping her off a bridge and all this sort of stuff, that was all Gwen Stacy stuff. So yeah. it sort of chopped and changed a bit there and then they introduced Gwen Stacy in the third movie so it was all out of whack yeah, no one cares about the third film exactly they went back and, and changed who killed Uncle Ben now. Uh, yeah, they changed all that sort of stuff that was terrible as well. but, that, yeah, yeah the whole third movie was terrible 
But yeah, maybe that's what this newest Spider-Man could do. Just wash that nasty taste out of our mouth and give us a good Spider-Man film. Mm. That's the thing. I don't care. It's like Batman. It's like I enjoyed the, the Tim Burton film. Yeah. I enjoyed aspects of the Bill Kilmer <laughs> and the George Clooney ones. You know, they're not they're not great, but there's aspects there. But I just see them as different interpretations of Batman. And exactly. Well, so, it's I guess it's the same as having Frank Miller write a Batman story and have someone else write a Batman story. Yeah, so as a comic fan, it's easy for me to just sort of oh, what's this guy's take on it? Yeah. You know, so, but it's funny because I'm a Superman fan, and my Superman is Christopher Reeve yeah. and the Richard Donner first movie. So that's my establishment of what is Superman, yeah. and everything around that is just ancillary. But so uh, depends. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of prequels, we have Prometheus coming out this year, which was long denied as an alien prequel by Ridley Scott, but you know, he confirmed a few months ago that yes it is. It's a, the origin story, if you will, to um, the space jockey, I think they call it, which is a giant creature they find where they find the alien eggs yeah. at the start. So it's the lead-in story to that, which, I mean, it's Ridley Scott. He doesn't make bad films. He can make Average bad choices sometimes, yeah. but he is a very, very capable and there's a level of yeah. filmmaking that yeah, he does exactly. that compared to others. There's Brett Ratner and there's him. <laughs> yeah. And a lot in between. So, yeah, we, we, I've seen the trailer just recently for Prometheus and, you know, I didn't know a lot about it other than the fact that Chalice Theron was going to be the main star. And then, yeah, it's. It's sort of getting a bit of hype around the place. Oh, I mean, every time Ridley Scott is not prolific, he's not making a movie every couple of years. So when he does, people sort of take notice. So. Yeah. And the fact that he's going back to, he's probably got two classics. Yeah. Like with Blade Runner and Aliens. So he's going back to that world. So people are taking notice. So I'm very intrigued. It would be interesting to see if it's, it's more like Alien and it's like a long drawn out drama or whether it's... Like the aliens well, um, alien, following um, on. Because Alien is a horror film. A horror film. A space it's, horror film. It's a haunted house movie. Exactly. Uh, whereas, on a spaceship. Yeah, whereas Aliens is your action film. Action film with space marines. Mm. You know, Bill Paxton. Yes, yeah, so it won't be that. Bill Pullman, even. Yes. <laughs> Always get those two confused. Yeah. So, uh, so, interesting to see. That sort of uh, interesting movie to look forward to this year is, um, well, we had G.I. Joe based on a game. Um, based on a, uh, toy, a toy line, we have Battleship coming out this year, which is based on the game. On the board game. Yes, but the trailer is very Michael Bay. I don't know if he's involved <laughs> as a producer or anything, but it looks and sounds like Transformers, but it's unique. Yeah. And uh, it's got Liam Neeson, so I'm willing to give it a chance. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to see this film. I just based on the trailer it. alone, I will be there. I just don't know how they can turn the premise of the, the game Battleship think, into a movie. I think all they've grabbed is the fact that it's got a battleship in it and they've called it Battleship. If you, have you seen the trailer? I haven't seen the trailer. Then it's, you know it's got nothing <laughs> to do with the game. It's based on the game, but yes. Check out the trailer. Has it got some kid going, B5? Oh, you sacked my Battleship. No, I did hear someone <laughs> wings, um on the non-canonical podcast actually wings saying, you've got Liam Neeson there, you've got a trailer. How did you not get him to say the line, you sank my battleship? Maybe we'll end up like snakes on a plane. And Maybe. internet uh, furor will cause a rewrite to the script. Yes, I mean, it'd be ridiculous if they don't have it in there. <laughs> Even if the posters don't have it on it, it's, it's a missed opportunity, Hollywood. Missed opportunity. Yeah. One last one that's on a... We'll go into depth here as a 
Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace in 3D re-release. Now, I know a lot of people are probably throwing up in their mouth right now because <laughs> of the concept of that, the 3D-ness, the fact that it's The Phantom Menace, the fact that it's a re-release, and it's like, hasn't George had enough of my money already? I probably will see it. I don't know. I like The fact that it's in 3D puts me off. I, I'm, I wear glasses. I'm not a fan of wearing the 3D glasses on top of my normal glasses. I just find that anything longer than about 15 minutes, I, I get a migraine just watching the 3D. So, I don't know. Like I've only seen The Phantom Menace once, and I'm holding all of my opinion based on that one viewing, and I guess I'm probably skewed by the fact that... It wasn't of, very good? Well, it wasn't very good. It had characters that just weren't likable to start with. I'm not even going to justify it by giving him a name. I'm just going to say there is characters that aren't likable. Anakin Skywalker. That's right, yes. yes. But, no, don't, don't be disengaged. <laughs> Jar Jar is definitely not the worst thing about that film. There is a lot worse. Like, the script. The unique racism. (laughs) But yeah, I probably will take on my nephews who are seven, who are very much into Star Wars now. They love the Clone Wars TV show and all this sort of stuff. So I'm sure they've seen the films, but I think seeing them on the big screen is something that should be done. And, I mean, that pod race sequence is very good, and seeing that in 3D, I kind of do want to see. Yeah. But I've got to sit through the rest of it, unfortunately. But I've given George enough money. What's another 30 bucks? Uh, now, is Phantom Menace the one where they have the big space caucus and you're sitting around listening to Parliament for hours on end, or is, is that the second? Well, I've seen all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love space politics. Well, imagine that in theory, day. Well, there'll be depth to depth it. Depth to it, yes. No depth in the script, but there is depth in the vision. Yes, it's about enough discussion about that. That's a lot to look forward to this year. There are, there are others. We can't go too in depth. Just a few others that we can look at. You've got the Judge Dredd film, so it's another remake of Dredd. Yeah. You've got a, a Taken sequel, which hasn't got a proper name yet. But, and obviously at the end of the year, we've got World War Z, which is based on the Max Brooks novel with Brad Pitt in it. So, you know, should be good. It's meant to be an awesome book. Yeah, I haven't read it. But. We've got The Hobbit, I think, December that's coming out as well. Yeah, so it's good to have a Peter Jackson film now that Harry Potter's are finished. Yeah, well, you, you need that, that Christmas. You need release. that Christmas sort of fantasy movie, I guess. Yeah, so there's plenty to look forward to, and there's a lot we've missed too. Oh, of course just, there is. No yeah. problem there. So, so that's the 2012 cinema anticipation that we've got. Mm. Yeah, so anyone, write feedback and let us know what, you, uh, yeah. what you're looking forward to this year or anything we've, we should have mentioned. I know we've missed a lot, but anything that you we've glaringly forgotten to talk about. Well, I guess that's the big screen things we're looking forward to. There's, there's probably a couple of notable mentions that we should talk about for small screen. And one of those, I guess, the biggest thing on TV this year I'm looking forward to is probably the second season of Game of Thrones. Like that first season pretty much came out of nowhere and, and blew everyone away. I think it came out of nowhere to me because I had no point of reference, but like all the websites I go to, all the comic and pop culture references, yeah, you know, pop culture websites I go to, they are all anticipating it. They are all showing screen caps from behind the scenes shots, yep. shooting from it, and reports from Comic Con and all this showing scenes from it, and everyone was getting a massive buzz for it in those circles where I had no point of reference. I was like, oh, okay, it's one of those fantasy novels. I had, I don't read them, so I don't yeah. know. And, yeah, people were excited because there were, there is a huge following of the book. And, you know, to HBO's credit, they put the money in and got the actors in and got the talent in and made one hell of a miniseries, which was... i got to admit, the first few episodes yeah, were hard to get into because it, it was quite impenetrable with the amount of characters they introduced and and i guess if you hadn't read the books which i hadn't um it is quite hard to understand the relationships between everybody and, and where everyone fits in but i guess by the end of the the, the series you kind of know i mean that's where the thing i mean i you know you go to the website 
and HBO website and there was a little pictogram showing everyone's relationship to everyone, who they were and the family this and the family that. And the fact that you needed that showed how complicated it was, but to its credit, by the end of the series, it was only, what, ten? Ten episodes. Ten episodes. Yeah. By the end of that, you've got, you didn't, you knew who they all were, and exactly. they didn't dumb it down for you, they didn't go and tell you all this, they just took, they took, gave you enough credit that you were clever enough to figure it out eventually. Exactly. Just stick with it, and you'll enjoy it. And it was, it was, I mean, they advertise as a fantasy, and barring the your dragon, yeah. like one dragon, it, it was quite, you know, medieval more than fantasy. Exactly. It's more of a medieval power struggle, I guess. And mm. it's all about the families trying to rule the throne. So, I um, mean, if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, it is a... It's a solid watch. Yeah, well, the second season, the second season's airing in, in the States on HBO in April. I'm not sure when Foxtel is showing it here in Australia, but the first season does come out on DVD in March this year, so it's probably, if you haven't seen it, a good chance to jump on it there, have a look at the DVDs, and, yes. and get ready for the next season. And if you haven't seen it, it's probably a good way to go. It's just mainline as much as you exactly. can watch it. There are episodes, so you can watch you know, two sittings of four hours. It's pretty solid going, but you probably could do it. You probably could. And I think it would benefit more from being able to sit and watch it in big chunks rather than waiting week to week. Yeah, no, that's definitely looking forward to that. A couple of new shows this year that I haven't seen, but, you know, look promising is Boss, which is a new Kelsey Grammer show, political high drama, I guess. The new girl, which you have seen, which is a Zoe Deschanel comedy. Yeah, that's sort of halfway through its first season this year, and I think they've been picked up for a second season, which I kind of hope they do, because it's one of the few shows that was on this year that I actually jumped on at the start and really enjoyed. That and Two Broke Girls, both very different shows, I guess. But I do, I must admit, I do watch... Broke Girls every day, every like as soon as it comes <laughs> out. It, no, as soon as it comes out, but um, yeah, so I'm not saying it's the greatest show out there, but there is something that's appealing to me. I don't know what it is. Yes. On the uh, the subject of TV comedies, we've got the new season of Portlandia that's just yes. started in the states. Yes, this week. Which I think you've seen the first episode. But I I have. I haven't yet. It's. I don't know, it's a, it was such a weird show to start with. The expectations are high. It's sort of like with those little short six-episode shows. Yeah. And you get, so there's such a punchy thing, you get this impact from it. And then when they go back to it again, it's sort of like you don't have that initial, what the hell are they going to do? Yeah. So well, the I... expectations are high on it. It was still funny. It was still Portlandia. Unfortunately, it is made by Lorne Michaels, who is the guy who does Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I do watch Saturday Night Live, but I have a lot of issues with it in the fact that some of their gags are a little too telegraphed and a little bit long. And but there was a couple of instances of that in this the, first The trouble episode. with Saturday Night Live is they, they don't really know how to end a sketch. No. And a lot of the time they'll go on you know, a good couple of minutes longer than they should. Yes. But like, like Saturday Night Live, Portlandia was written around the characters that they played and I think they had the idea of the characters and then they wrote the sketches around those characters mm. Portlandia the, the appeal for me for Portlandia I guess was the fact that it was like nothing else that had been around it came out of nowhere it was it was quirky you call it a sitcom I don't know if you call it a sitcom sketch comedy. it's sketch comedy but it did have a bit of an ongoing theme to it and they had recurring characters like Kyle McLaughlin as the, the, the rest of us playing mayor of Portland and but it's, it's a really interesting show if you haven't seen it or don't know anything about it it's a um, it's set in Portland Oregon and it's like where the dream of the 90s the 90s still is still alive in Portland it's where hipsters like the, I don't know if it's the home of hipsters in America or whatever, but obviously it's 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 they're famous for it. Yeah. Enough to make a show about hipsters. Now the thing is it's it's a show for hipsters taking the piss out of hipsters. 
You know, it's just such a small audience for this show. It's, I'm surprised it got made, let alone got a second season. Now, it's a great show. But, yeah, it's just such a weird... It's very English in a way. Like, um, there's a lot of Brit sitcoms and comedy yeah. shows that do last six episodes. They've got a very small audience. And because it's BBC or something like that, they can afford to. Yeah. They don't need to make money or anything like that. So they go out and do things like Mighty Boosh, which is a very select audience and things like that. Yeah, so it, it's a strange thing for an American television. But I guess maybe they did the maths and they worked it out and they get the audience and they'll probably sell the DVDs and they can pay for it. Yeah, well, even if it's just the population of Portland that watches it, it's probably enough to, to carry it. Yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, it's if it sounds like it's your kind of thing, if you want to see the... if you. If you understand hipsters enough that you enjoy them being taken the piss out of, check it out. Well, it, it, I can recommend it. I, yeah. I really like the show, but I, I understand it's probably not for everyone. Yeah. So that's that's TV for 2012. There's plenty yeah. of other shows coming out. There's Hell on Wheels, which is a sort of a hard-hitting sort of Western show that's sort of airing at the moment, which I have sitting on the PVR, but I haven't actually watched yet. It's, yeah. it's basically set on the railway, the railway being built across America after the I think it's after one of the wars and one guy had been done wrong by other guys so he's sort of following them along this moving town as the railroad was being built the town moved as it was building and there's a lot of you know near-do-wells working the railroads and stuff like that so the guy's sort of following to get his revenge as the town's moving along so obviously the story plays out don't know any more than that but I really like Deadwood and hopefully it's a replacement for that yeah because Deadwood kind of just fizzled out just ended they didn't plan on it ending it just never came back yeah I think they kind of a bit like Firefly they just didn't get renewed for another season and it just ended before anyone really got closure yeah, and they kept talking, they might do a movie, they might do this, and as every month and year went on, it was never going to happen. Well, speaking of Deadwood, Timothy Oliphant's in Justified, which I've heard a lot of good stuff about, but haven't had a chance to, yeah, to watch again, any of sitting that. sitting on my PVR. Yeah, I saw the first step and really liked it, and then basically, Timothy Oliphant plays a, um, he's a US Marshal, I guess, yeah. who plays by his own rules, and each episode is its own case. From all reports, fantastic stories, so it's something I do want to... I'd do like a little bit of um, old style justice. Yeah. So. He doesn't carry a 2 before though. That's no, the only thing that um, holds back. And I guess going back to what we talked about in our first episode as far as Pile of Shames, both of us have got all of Breaking Bad sitting, you know, waiting to be watched, and that's probably something that everyone raves about. Yes, it's like, I missed the boat on Breaking Bad, I missed the boat on Mad Men, but I think I'm going to let the boat sail on Mad Men, I just can't be bothered. Like, yeah. there's so much to catch up on and this and that, but Breaking Bad's one I'm definitely going to have to pull my finger out and watch. Yeah. So it's all sitting there again now, we got it off a friend. So I borrowed it off them, so I was like, alright, let's let's get this going and same with Walking Dead. You know, exactly. I call myself a comic fan, I've read the comics, I look forward to the show. I just never got around yeah, to pushing play. They're halfway through the second season and we haven't even started the first season. Yeah, so um hopefully mm, we'll yeah. get there. We'll we'll get there. Right, exactly. Well, speaking of comics, Mitch, you've got a, a couple of comics that you are looking forward to this year? Yeah, I just actually worked through some of my pile of shame over the Christmas break, and one of the comics that was sitting on there was Parker the Outfit. Now, Parker, it's actually Darwin Cook as the writer and the artist, and he's doing a book called Parker, which is a character created by Richard Stark. So it's Richard Stark's Parker the Outfit. And Richard Stark <laughs> is the author of a novel that was written back in the 60s about this character Parker. He did these crime novels. And it was made into a film, and I can't remember the name, but Robert Mitchum played the character Parker back in the 60s. Okay. They remade it as a modern film with Mel Gibson called Payback. Oh, yes. And, and it's basically a... He's a criminal. 
yeah. but he's got his own sense of um, rules and justice. So, you know, he got shafted for so much money, so I was like, you don't shaft me. So he basically took his revenge on them and only took what was owed to him. He didn't take any more, but he's just got this very high moral sense, even though he is a bad guy, tough guy, murderer. Yeah. But the, uh, Darwin Cook's art style is amazing. It's very similar to the Batman animated style, if you know what that is. It's this very kitschy 60s style, and it's duotone colour. It's is just it black. pointy, would you say? Uh, not pointy. It's sort of in a cartoony sense, but it's, yeah. it looks very much of its time in the 60s. And it's, okay. they're beautiful books. They're hardcover. They look like novels from the outside, obviously. Yeah. And... It's just cool. Like, you do want to have a cigarette and drink, drink a Manhattan while you're reading <laughs> it because it, it's just that cool. So there's been two volumes so far, and he's doing one a year. So okay. the outfit was 2011. First one was Parker the Hunter, and this year we get Parker the Score. So I'm really looking forward to that. If You, you can get volume one and two in a omnibus. oversized omnibus called the martini edition and it looks fantastic but i can't justify the money because it's quite expensive <laughs> and it, but it looks beautiful and it's oversized and it's hardcover and slipcase and yes so if anyone wants to send a review copy for us <laughs> to talk about you know please the ma podcast app. anyway um yeah so it, it's just a good book even if you're not a comic fan if you're a crime fan or something you it's worth checking out it's real like i recommend it i was looking through imdb today and there is a movie coming out at the end of the year called parker with jason stratham i yeah, but don't based on thunderbirds and the limo driver isn't yeah, it? i'm hoping uh, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds he is playing a crim with his own set of morals that's what okay. the description says so i was sort of like it could be based on i'm hoping it's not after reading this book and you want it set in the 60s if you're going to do this like the as much as I enjoyed the Mel Gibson movie I really want to see the 60s yeah it, it's, it's got to be Brat Pack it's got to be that sort of feeling and vibe so yeah can't recommend that enough so I'm looking forward to the score coming out in a couple of months okay. so that's good just something to look forward to this year as far as comic goes well for those who don't know DC Comics who do Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman they essentially relaunched all their titles um, they stopped all their comics and restarted them all at number one yeah. and over a month period they released 52 comics and they called the new 52 and out of that new 52 I think I've read Animal Man number one and then didn't get any further than that so uh, it's Quite funny because my reading habits have changed enough to a point where I'm waiting for a lot more trades because it's a good sign of quality. Like if you listen to enough reviews and stuff, people, you go, all right, that one's worth the effort. I'll yeah. pay the 20 bucks to get the trade paper and I'll read six issues in a go. I'm yeah. not going to go and try a bunch of first issues. I'll let everyone else do that for me. Yeah, so we're four months in, five, depending on which book it is. There's about four or five issues out of most of the titles now. And yeah, I'm still waiting. There is a couple of issues on doing but of the 52 i'd be interested by the end of you know 12 months after this happens i'd be interested to see how many books are still yeah, exactly. going who's popular and why and we've already seen some some crossovers as well we've got like animal man and swamp thing well they're very very tightly linked yeah. together so that's interesting a very good book if you there i can recommend those two if it's horror. They're horror comics. It's not your superhero stuff. It's, yeah. it's quite intriguing to see what they're doing with that. The interesting thing with this big relaunch, like Marvel and DC both have done this sort of stuff plenty of times before. Not to this extent, but whenever they do these big shake-ups, they generally change creative teams. And the, the big thing they do is they'll get big-name writers or big-name artists on books yeah. and to get people in. This is not so much. Like, there's, there are some big-name writers and some big-name artists. Like, probably the biggest is Justice League, and you've got Jim Lee on art, who's 
arguably one of the biggest comic artists out there. Yeah. And you've got Jeff Johns, who's one of DC's best writers on the book. So that's a flagship title. So that's some big names. But everything else is sort of, I was very intrigued that there was no major signings. They didn't go and poach big writers or anything from other companies. Yeah. But, and then I realised that all the other times when they've done that, they're tailoring this relaunch to comic fans so it's like they are they know the creators they're going to go oh Grant Morrison's running this book I'm going to jump or Alan Moore or whoever this isn't that this is about the characters and it's interesting like as a long time comic fan it's it's hard for me to look at what they're doing but then I realised no it's people know who Superman is they don't know who Grant Morrison is on the street so they just care that there's a Superman book out there and there's an issue one I don't have to worry about 600 issues of history I can just buy that and see whether it's any good so it's an interesting move from DC, and I'm intrigued to see how it survives, what books survive. Are they got a lot of faith in the books, and they're all going to give them at least a year? Gonna, or are they going to start culling? After six issues, you're not selling good enough. Let's well, drop a few. So I, that's, I guess uh, money is the big issue. If people aren't buying the comic, it's costing them to produce them. It's, it's not worth it for the yes. publishing companies to keep keep writing, you know, keep making the comics, keep paying the writers, keep paying the artists. But I just wonder what their thresholds are. Yeah. Like, are they going to make them... Like, are they going to drop the thresholds of selling a book, saying, all right, 15,000 issues, that's enough to keep you going when it would have been cancelled before, yeah. but we're going to give you 12 months. I don't know. I mean, that's why in the next 12 months, I just to see the scope of the DC universe in that time, I'm, I'm intrigued. But then do you think the people that are hanging back and, and waiting for the trades, are they hurting the fact that you know these, these books might not get continued? That is a high possibility. And yeah. That's a, a, one thing. I mean, another thing they're doing is going digital early. Before, they were waiting three months to release comics digitally yep. to sort of help out the comic shops. Comic shops are the bread and butter for these businesses. Yeah, I mean, and they're getting angry because these all these digital exclusives now, like, oh, the iPad gets this or the Kindle Fire yeah. gets this. And sort of a lot of the companies are getting a bit shitty. It's like, oh, I won't carry your books now. Screw yeah. you. So it'll be interesting. Like, it's... I mean, they're there to make money. But we touched on it last episode, I guess, as well. You mentioned the fact that they kind of go off pre-orders and yeah. there's no pre-order for digital. Yeah, so um, it's going to be weird. I mean, that's probably they may give everything 12 issues just to sort of compare everything because then they'll know with trades out there and with digitals and stuff yeah. like that, they'll get a better vibe of where the market is. Maybe they will take a bit. But they are owned by Warner Brothers, so there is plenty of money behind them. Can they wear 12 months of an experiment? Cost-wise, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's intriguing. So 2012 is going to be an interesting year. So as far yeah. as comics go, that'll be interesting. The only other point this year is um, Brian Michael Bendis, who writes for The Avengers. So he writes pretty much every second Marvel book at the moment. He's a very good writer. He's one of my favourites. And he's been writing The Avengers, I think, for eight years now or something like that. And he's announced that this is his last year of The Avengers. So yeah. he's going to wrap it up and move on, which is, you know, it's good. I've really enjoyed his run and I'd love him to keep going. But, you know, if he wants to go do other things, I'll follow him to that. So there's no exactly. big deal. But one thing he did do, he wrote a very good run of Daredevil at one point. Yeah. and he put through Daredevil through the shit. When he finished the book, he outed him, got his public... Um, <laughs> he outed him as his public persona, like that Matt Murdock is Daredevil to the public, and he threw him in jail yep. with all the people he'd put away. And it's like, there you go. Next writer, Next take, writer over from take over from that. Exactly. So it'd be interesting. I mean, pretty much what he did with the Avengers, he... He did a story called Avengers Disassembled where he broke the team apart 
he put them back together and he's built them up to be one of the most popular and one of the flagship titles in the Marvel Universe. And I really enjoyed what he's done. So mm. it'd be weird to read someone else write it for a while, but I'll probably stick with it to see who, depends who gets it after him. But um, yeah, it's kind of weird when you've had someone's mm. voice do it for so long. Exactly. Move on. And sometimes it is good just to drop a book after a while and say, yeah, I've had my time with you on that company. Yeah, exactly. Later. It's In a way, it is a good stepping off point. Yeah, and try something else. Yeah, so um, comics, looking forward to that this year. So if anyone else, again, feedback, send through what um, you're looking forward to this year in any of these sort of topics, comics, whatever. So anything else you're looking forward to? Or? Well, I think that's that's pretty much as far as our non-gaming stuff. If, if we're going to sit here and talk about what we're looking forward to in gaming, we'd be here all night. So we might save that for a later episode. Yes, save your ears. Well, I guess that's probably a good place to wrap up this episode. So we'd just like to say thank you again for listening to Difficult Sophomore episode, as I said at the start of the show. And we talked about feedback in that last segment. So I guess, Mitch, just run through some of the ways you can give us some feedback. Well, you've obviously found us already, but just in case you haven't on iTunes, we are just search for the Massive Attack podcast on iTunes. And if if you enjoy it, please, five-star rating, that'd be great. And a little bit of a review, always, always appreciate it. You can send us an email if you want at themapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter as themapodcast on Twitter. And also, we are on the internets. If you point your browser at www.themapodcast.podbean.com. Well, thanks again, and we'll see you on our next episode. Catch you later. I gotta go, gotta go Before I do something stupid I gotta go I gotta go, gotta go Before I do something lame